From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hello, hello, it's Elizabeth here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Discerning Marriage Podcast. We have a discernment story today, and y'all know I love these so much. I'm excited to share this one with you. We are joined by licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed mental health professional. What is it? Counselor. Counselor. Licensed mental health counselor. (laughs) Duly licensed, both of them. Um, Regina Boyd. Hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So how did you know that you were called to marriage? Oh my goodness. This is an interesting question. Um, I actually went on a few come and sees when I was in college. So visited some convents and um, beautiful religious sisters. And I remember one of the sisters telling a story about her discernment story and how she was finding which order she was called to. And she talked about when she walked into um, the convent there, um, the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal, how she walked in, how she instantly just felt at home and like Mm. she knew that that was where she was supposed to be. And that was something that kind of stuck with me um, from that moment on. and. I had already known my husband at the time, but uh, we had, well, I can get into that more (laughs) later, (laughs) but um, I had already known my husband at that time. um, And that was something I associated with him from that point on of like, my heart feels very much at home uh, when I'm with him. And so that was sort of kind of basically how I figured that out was um, oddly enough through a religious sister. I love um, it. I think it's great. I was like, wow, like I know exactly what she's talking about because my heart feels that way with him. So you were on this come and see weekend when you yes. realized as you were reflecting in your own heart that it was this person you felt at home with. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So I love that for you, the call to marriage was not necessarily like, oh, I don't necessarily feel called to religious life, so I'll discern marriage, or oh, I really want to get married, so let's explore this. You were drawn to a particular person right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but yes, but yes, um, you know, that's just sort of how it worked out, um, but but yeah, I was very open um, to religious life and, um, you know, just waiting for that that piece to come, so, so I was kind of open to both at the same time, <laughs> which I think is a great posture because there's yeah. that's a very um, it's a very kind of detached, open posture toward the Lord. Like He can just do whichever one He wants because your heart isn't vice gripping one or the other. You're genuinely right. like, I'm free, Lord. Like, show me what you want for me. Right, right. Absolutely. And I was feeling, you know, pressure, you know, we were involved in um, the Catholic campus ministry at our college together. That's how we met. And, um, you know, just, I think college students in general, you're just getting more renewed in your faith and there's a deepening there. And there was like a sense of pressure, like everyone's walking around, like, what, what is my vocation? And like (laughs) talking, like taking like super serious. And like, I, like, I remember feeling very stressed out, like, oh my gosh, is this (laughs) like what I have to do? Like, I don't understand, you know? And (laughs) um, so, yeah, I think the Lord works with everybody a little bit differently. Uh, I had that same kind of pressure experience at my college campus center. Also, I feel like yes. that's um, there's a lot of uh, expectation almost that people will meet their spouses in college, even if they don't necessarily 
want to do that. There's still this like air of like, <laughs> I better be engaged by the time I graduate, like, or know what I'm going right. to do. Um, or maybe that's just our colleges, not y'all's. I don't know. But I, I do think <laughs> that, that pressure is there a lot. And then you add in, in a faithful Catholic community, you add in the religious life slash priesthood for men discernment. And it's just so, it's like a pressure cooker in there. You're yeah. like, I gotta know. And the Lord doesn't always work in that time. Like for some people, they're not called to it right away. Um, exactly. So, anyway, I'm I just having this that. realization now as you're talking. I wonder if it's just because of being in college and it's that pressure secularly. Like I have to know what I'm doing for the rest of my life by the time I graduate, oh. like my major, and then I'm going to go work and have this amazing job or whatever. And so maybe we just unconsciously like associate. I have to have everything. <laughs> oh, I totally. I buy that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because there is a lot of pressure, like on university campuses, to like know what you want to do and where you're going yeah. when you, you graduate and everything. So you're probably right. Yeah. We do it to ourselves. I literally yeah. did not think of that before until just now. So no, yeah, no, I think, <laughs> but I think that's really insightful. So for all our college listeners, don't give into the pressure, Be, like allow the Lord to guide you um, and really work to surrender yourself to that, his timing, right. To that, whatever that looks like in the Lord's plan for you, not necessarily this like pressure cooker need to know. Um, so you mentioned obviously discernment of religious life. How did you determine like what orders to go to? How did you kind of find yourself in this Franciscan, um, come and see thing? I think that people, when they're discerning one or the other, there's not a lot of guidance for how to do the religious life discernment, but so many people find their marriage vocation by discerning religious life formally. Right. So can you give us a little insight into that? Yeah, um, I I will. I can't take too much credit for that. Um, I had uh, our campus ministry was just super, um, like on fire, gung ho, doing all kinds of things, oh, and cool. so they had coordinated like come and see visits for anyone who was interested. Oh, neat! <laughs> um, and so they had a like um, one of the staff members there. She's phenomenal. Um, one of my really good friends. She was just constantly networking, and reaching out to religious to either come to our campus ministry and have like a little day retreat or like planning trips. So there just happened to be a trip planned and like a whole group of us ladies all went to like the CFRs on like one weekend. (laughs) Um, It was one of their actual come and see weekends. So there were other women discerning there as well, but we kind of went as a group. So I just went because I was going to go have a fun time with my friends and like, (laughs) um, yeah. So I, I, yeah. That's kind of how it worked out. So you really <laughs> took the circumstances that the Lord gave you. It, you didn't necessarily yes. seek it out, but you were open to the idea. And so when these opportunities presented themselves, you were like, okay, cool. Exactly. Exactly. I love I that. Like, Let's go check it out. Let's go see, you know. Did you think it was less intimidating because you were with your friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that helped a lot. And, you know, they um, put us, we got to stay in actual cells, like the rooms <gasps> that sisters have you know, we were in our own space, but, um, so they paired us up. So I actually got to be in a room with one of my really good friends at the time. So, you know, we're up talking about the day and, you know, sharing our hearts and our, like, whatever's happening discernment wise, like throughout. So that was kind of fun to be able to already know the person who I was having to be sharing a room with and processing everything with. I love that. So that's all, honestly something you could recreate even as a young adult, not in college or not when something's formally organized for you to go is like to have friends that go with you to discern. Because I think when you're discerning marriage, you're implicitly doing it with your friends because you're in the real world. So if discerning religious life is kind of part of your journey or something that as you're listening to this podcast, you're like, yeah, but I haven't totally closed that door yet. 
that's something you can do. Like just grab a girlfriend and go like, go to a comment for a weekend or go work with the missionaries of charity for a weekend or go, you know, like just because I love that, that, you know, you, you were able to share your heart with someone who was in real time with you on that retreat. That's great. Absolutely. Yeah. I highly recommend definitely bring a friend for sure. (laughs) So, um, you mentioned you met your spouse at your Catholic campus center, but can you elaborate some more? So how did you meet him? What were the circumstances? Yeah. So the first time I ever heard of him, well, his, um, his older brother was, uh, the president of our campus student organization. (laughs) And so I always knew him as, you know, Andrew's brother. My husband's name is Daniel. So I was like, oh, that's Andrew's brother, but we never actually had a conversation. You know, he just was around doing his thing. I was around doing my thing. Um, and the first time he actually stood out to me, he was altar serving at one of the, the Sunday mass on campus and he had, um, he's a redhead, he's got really long curly hair, and it was braided into cornrows. <laughs> and I'm black for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> but um, So um, I'm sitting there in mass, and I'm like, a redhead with cornrows? Like, <laughs> I have to talk to this guy. <laughs> um, and so that's what happened. I, I went up to him um, with one of my friends after mass and we just started a conversation and things sort of grew from there. We, uh, you know, ended up having the same circle of friends and we're just kind of around each other a lot, like constantly at all the social events together. Um, yeah, I don't know how much more you want me to continue or not. If there's any (laughs) other details you want to share, I would love to have them. That's so fun. Um, uh, yeah. So then what really, how we really grew and deepened our friendship even more was we both got assigned to be um, MCs for one of the semester retreats. Oh, cool. So, so y'all were doing it together. We were doing you? it together. Oh, hey. And so we were going to daily mass together, praying rosaries <laughs> together, preparing for the retreat and praying for everyone who would be like coming on the retreat. Oh and gosh. so that's really, I would say, was kind of when we started um, falling for each other during that time. <laughs> and at the time, he was actually discerning seminary. <laughs> was he? Well, you were technically yes. discerning religious life too. So Yes, true. But he was very like public and open about it. Oh, was so he? When I, so when I noticed that I was starting to have feelings, like I had to tell myself, I was like, oh, well, he's going to be a seminarian. Like I need to, you know, just forget about this, keep it to myself. and. <laughs> um, yeah, so that added a whole level of complication to our <laughs> to our story. <laughs> well, will you elaborate on that for us? Like clearly, well, I mean, did he go to seminary? Did you keep your feelings a secret or did you talk to him about it? Kind of how did you navigate? Obviously with respect, you have clearly a very respectful approach to it. As you're even talking, I can hear the reverence in your voice of like, I wanted to respect his discernment and be willing to sacrifice what I was feeling for that good. Um, but I mean, what, what happened next? What's the next <laughs> chapter? <laughs> Um, so, so we did, um, shortly after that retreat, we did actually start, um, dating. And so, you know, I, you know, I had questions about it. He said, no, like he, he thought that it was okay for us to start dating. And so we dated about six months before he came back and said, actually, like, I feel called to (gasps) go to seminary. (laughs) Oh, I have so many goosebumps. Did he break up with you? He did. He did. He broke up with me. Um, it was very uh, devastating <laughs> for me. Oh my um, gosh. And so he did. He took that time. He actually like went down to seminary, spent a weekend in that down there, you know, did their own version of the come and see. And he said um, while he was in adoration that night, while at the seminary, he felt like God told him like, 
you're called to marriage and you're called to marry Regina. <laughs> oh, that was terrible of God to make that so clear. It doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> yes. Um, so he comes back from seminary. So this is about, we had been broken up by for six months by this point. Oh my and, gosh. Um, he comes back and he's like, takes me out to dinner. He's like, guess what? You know, like I went like, this is what God told me. <laughs> Isn't this great news? And I'm like, um, excuse me. <laughs> like I just spent the past six months trying to get over you. Um, and so unfortunately I was not as open or receptive to getting back into a relationship with him at that time. And I just or not, unfortunately, it. very reasonably. <laughs> like you can't just come back. Like, I don't know. I can, I feel like sometimes when people, approach relationships they're very much like what do I want what do I need you know like he was like I need to discern so I need to break up and then he was like I need to like I feel called to marry you so let's get back together which is I mean fine you could discern for yourself but there has to be that respect for the other Mm -hmm. person because Mm -hmm. your story looked very different you were on the receiving end of a breakup then you were devastated and I can imagine I can only imagine that the breakup was even more agonizing by the fact that you were like we talked about this before. Like, you could have done this six months ago. And now my heart's broken. I mean, of course, I'm speaking a little bit in jest. I breakups are so hard. Um, right, right. They are so, hard. And you, you know, like, I will say, we, yeah, we probably didn't talk about it as thoroughly as we could have or should have in the beginning. I think we were both just so excited from that retreat experience <laughs> and knew we liked each other. So maybe we could have had more upfront conversation that might have prevented that situation. <laughs> Um, like 2020. Yes. And so that turned into another, um, probably another year of um, us being around each other because by that point, you know, we're like, I think junior, seniors, and co- no, this was actually after college. So by that point, our friend groups are very established. We're in routines. And so somebody invites me to the movies. Like I show up, he's there because somebody else invited him. Like we mm. just could not get away from each other. We, <laughs> our friends were literally the same people. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, this is where I'm just like, God is just so amazing and cr- incredibly good um, because, you know, my heart was so hardened. And he had actually tried a few times to reinitiate that conversation. And I just was not open to it because I felt like, my heart was just so unsafe and unsettled. And Absolutely, I get I just that. didn't trust being vulnerable with him in that sense again. Um, and uh, so I actually started having conversations with another guy. We were sort of in that like awkward predating phase. <laughs> like, sure. Um, and uh, the whole time I remember, and so that's where like those sister's words would come back to me because, you know, we'd go out to dinner or like something would happen. And I'd think to myself, I'd be like, Daniel would never do that. Mm. And so it was really started to stir something in my heart where I noticed how like there was, there wasn't peace when I was building a friendship with this other gentleman. And there was like, and my heart was still kind of back there, but I was not um, willing to see it or willing to open my eyes to that at that point. It was just a very like stubborn (laughs) place that I was in and a hurt place. Um, yeah. And so, uh, thanks be to God went on TOB one to theology of the body mm-hmm. one course. <laughs> and, um, there was so much healing that happened in my heart that week. Um, so by like, honestly, by the end of that week, I was like, you know what, I think I can give Dan another chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we like, Shortly after, like, I came back from the trip, we had a conversation, and we were probably dating within a month. 
um, again and engaged six months after that and <laughs> and married nine months after that. So I love that's it. That's our that's our story, more or less. <laughs> I love it. So that moment where you discern to marry him really kind of it sounds like I'll give my summary and then you kind of can correct it. It sounds like a lot of that happened over time. It doesn't sound like there was this one moment where you were like, it's him. You had, you alluded to, you know, this feeling of home as you were taking your discernment as a collective whole, right? This feeling of home that you had gotten the idea from the sister. Where did, where did that retreat, by the way, fall in this? Um, I think I was, I was 2008. Um, so Christopher always said, he goes, if you ever see me in the future and you like remind me, which say like we're 2008, we're the class that sang back. Now, I don't know <laughs> if any class like has sung back to him since, but there was like a really emotional moment where one of the people like he was singing and somebody like sang back to him. It was, like, this beautiful moment. But um, yeah, I so 2008. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> and then when did the retreat with the sister happen? The, um, the, where the Franciscan... Like how many years um, before was that? So that would have been, I'm trying to remember accurately, maybe like 2005, 2006. Okay. So like a couple of years before, it wasn't like the same. Yeah. I didn't know if like yeah. you went on that retreat around the same time. No. Yeah. It was a little one. before. Yeah. Maybe 2006, somewhere around there. So mm-hmm. you felt at home, you knew you felt at home with him before all the super tumultuous, like breakup discernment stuff happened. Yeah, well, because um, we had had that first dating phase. Okay. And then, okay. yeah. And then, okay. so, yes. Mm-hmm. So it was that, mm-hmm. that kind of seed that was planted years was before. Seed planted, yes. That the Lord watered before. with his, with suffering and then his mercy. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you went on this TOBI um, or Theology of the Body Institute immersion course, you yes. were able to access those broken parts of your heart that were kind of set free from, you know, absolutely the the pain. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. I was completely set free, um, stony heart into a new heart. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I I was like, I was like, you know, okay, I, I can, I can try this again because I, I hadn't like, everything was just confirmed all at once in that week that, Oh, and, oh, I forgot about this, but I can't believe I forgot about this. Um, so when I was still kind of, um, you know, do pseudo dating that other guy, um, I was praying about that. I was like, God, what should I do? Like, should I really pursue a further relationship with him? But, you know, I knew I still had feelings for Daniel and I'm like, what should I do? And it was Lent. And I think, I think Dan and I had decided to like not be in conversation during Lent because okay. it was just getting messy with the friends and like, sure. but we were still not really together and it was just getting you know, my feelings were getting hurt and his feelings were getting hurt. And it was just this weird thing where we weren't really admitting to each other how we really felt. Right. So we said, let's take a break during Lent and we'll pray. And then I think my TOB course was like somewhere in the middle of that or shortly after Easter. It was after Easter. Um, And so I had prayed, um, I think on Holy Thursday, I'd prayed. I was like, okay, Lord, you know, give me a lily for Easter. That's how I will know who I should marry. (laughs) (laughs) And so Easter, um, our campus ministry does a really fun thing um, where we would go to the East Sunday, the Saturday Vigil Mass, and then stay up all night <laughs> or as late as we possibly could. And one of our um, parishes here in our diocese is on the beach. And then people would drive to the beach 
Easter Sunday morning for like sunrise mass oh. on the beach. You could watch the sunrise. So um, oh the gosh. things you do <laughs> when you're exactly so after we called it a break fast party so after break fast after the vigil um, one of my girlfriends and I uh, decided to catch like an hour or two of sleep at um, Daniel's family's house because his family lived locally to our college so he was still living at home and so we were like allowed to crash in our own bedroom and he that night um he uh, presented us with two bouquets of flowers. He was like, happy Easter, here you go. And it was like an assorted flower arrangement and there were lilies in the arrangement. So I was like, oh my gosh, like my heart completely stopped and I was shuddered (laughs) because I was wanting a lily from the other guy. (laughs) And um, I was kind of, because again, just the hardness I wasn't ready to like be open in that sense hey, with him again. There's a lot of healing that has to be done if you go through a breakup yeah. and decide to get back together, much more yeah. than the culture will uh, tell you. It's not as easy as it looks um, because there is so much suffering and pain that comes from a breakup. Um, and so, yes, I love that you were attentive to the needs of your heart, but open to the Lord's mm-hmm. promptings. Right. Wow. So, so I wish I had that told story. that in order because that would have turned out a lot better. No, so I actually that that's happened. Great. And then I went on the TOB and surprise. I was like, okay. Like I was like, wow. All right. I think I'm like, all right, fine, Lord. Like I get it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to need some healing. So please set me free. Yes. And, and he did. He did. Wow. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God. You know, Daniel was patient and faithfully waiting in the midst of my, you know, healing process. Love it. Love it. Well, um, I do have one more question for you about your story. Would you please tell us about your experience discerning marriage as an interracial couple? You mentioned earlier your husband has red hair, so Caucasian, and you are black. So um, are you willing to tell us about what that experience was like for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, for every person, it's different. You know, thankfully, we were very blessed with supportive families. So we didn't have a situation where, you know, somebody was going to disown us or something like that. Um, You know, I think there are people who, you know, unfortunately have to have those conversations with their family. Mm. Um, You know, so I would I would recommend to anybody, you know, especially if you're still in the dating phase, talk to your family and say, hey, what would it be like if I brought somebody from a different race home? What would you guys think just to gauge? And, but if you are already in a relationship, then you might need to think about some conversations around like, look, this is, um, this is my person family. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not willing to, you know, you don't get to just have me at Thanksgiving without them, you know, we, we're both, you know, and so unfortunately there's been situations where I know people have had to draw some boundaries and saying like, look, you're going to have both of us or not, none of us together, Mm -hmm. um, none of us at all. Right. And when children come into the picture too, the children are with us. Like you can't just have the kids or whatever. Right. Exactly. And so, um, it's, yeah, it can be tough for a lot of people. So I would just encourage you to just have those conversations with your family ahead of time. So, you know, you know what you're getting into potentially, but, um, you know, we're just, just like every other couple, we just (laughs) met, fell in love and I love it. I love it. And I think you highlighted something that um, is really important for everybody, regardless of, I mean, you're talking about this unique situation, but for anyone, God is very clear in scripture. You leave your father and mother and you cling to your spouse and really you weave this life together. And when boundaries have to be set, 
with your family of origin if they're not willing to respect that union for whatever reason, right? Right. It, it could be, it could literally be anything. Any reason. Right? Um, there has to be that willingness to do that if you're going to enter into a marriage. You really, there, you have to be willing to cut that emotional umbilical cord. And so I think you yes. tapped into something very clear that's relevant for everybody, regardless of your situation, that that posture needs to be present. Like, I, this is my person. God, you know, God's calling me to marry them. And once we're married, we are our own immediate family. And for what, you know, what myriad of reasons that uh, a boundary may need to be set, sadly, I mean, ideally that would not happen, but sadly you have to have that posture and be willing to do it. So yeah. I love that advice. And that, that was even one conversation that I wanted to have with him before we did get engaged. Just, you know, by that point I was in grad school already. And so I'm learning how to be a therapist and like <laughs> processing and being super. So I'm like, we need to talk about this. This is so important. Um, but it was important for me to say like, you, you do realize that, you know, we're okay, but there's going to be other people in the world who might not be okay. And so are you ready to like live this life with me <laughs> of like, are you, your life could be brought down a few notches, like mm. qualitatively. <laughs> um, so not just, because of you, you, but because of people who right. suck. <laughs> like, right. Not just because, because, yeah, just because of people are racism, and discrimination. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Not because of me. And so, um, important for me to have that conversation to say, you know, are you okay with this? Are you prepared? Do you realize what might happen in our life? Um, and, you know, certainly he was, he was fine and on board. Is that um, something he'd considered before or was you bringing that up? Was he like, oh, I hadn't even thought about it. I'm glad we talked about it. How, yeah, how did he, he had, respond? He had thought about it. Like he was kind of like, he was like, um, yeah, but I think because of how serious I was, I don't think he realized the gravity of it or the importance. So I think he was like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, people, but I don't think he realized, oh yeah, I guess I should give this a little more thought. Right. But it wasn't an obstacle or a barrier um, for him at all. Um, Yeah. So I would just encourage anyone to, if you are dating someone of a different ethnicity, to make sure you have a conversation similar to that of really thinking about, you know, because I think that's where the challenge comes in is you two are fine as a couple, but mm-hmm. the outside world can remind you about mm-hmm. <laughs> your situation. And so how do you as a couple tolerate that or navigate those, you know, stresses? Right. And stay united with each other and united with Christ through all of that. Like that doesn't need to become then a point of contention between the two of you. It's the two of you against these awful people who are, you know, you know what I mean? Like violating. Exactly. So, exactly. And you mm-hmm. had that conversation in pre-engagement, like before you got engaged, as you guys yes. were discerning. See, that is so yes. this great conversation to have before you get engaged as you're in this pre-engagement discernment. So yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks Thank to my you. therapy training. So hey, look at that. <laughs> I think our husbands are very um grateful <laughs> to have all my husband talks about it all the time too. Like you we're learning so much from this and it's so good for us. And also, I'm not your client. Stop talking to me like that. So yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. my husband was a teacher for a few years, and I remember he would get his teacher voice. I'm like, ah, I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not no, a student. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your story. I that Lily thing, man, is so powerful. I cannot yeah. even believe that. God yeah. is so cool. He's so generous. God is good. Yeah. So thank you, thank you. Um, it has been a joy to have you and to talk with you. And um, thank all of you for listening. And until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid.
The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.